Thanks, church, for doing that well. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. I think we've got some enthusiastic runners or cheerers on of runners who are perhaps not with us this morning at the marathon that's happening downtown. Um, Really, um, one of the purposes of doing the missions highlight for us, our goal this year as a team is very simple, is that we want the church to make friends with our missions partners. We've had a rich history for 40 years, really, of um, investing in people and helping to send in, in, in financial means and in prayer and in other ways, too, of people going locally and globally to just follow God and to serve different needs around the world. And we took the decision, as you may have heard us talk about before, to really scale back on the number of different people that we support in order that we can really hone in and give more to the ones that we are going to support. And really, um, this year, as we highlight people, we want you to get more familiar with who they are um, and, 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 and see whether opportunities exist for you to make friends, to get to know them better. Some of the videos, the prayer, the way, these kinds of things um, are examples. We had Christina from Open Arms, Colombia, who was here recently. She stayed with Philippe and Jennifer Nunes and uh, just had a great time with them. They were hosting. So that's another way when we have guests come in, you can host them or you can arrange to take them out for see the sites downtown if you enjoy that kind of thing or just host them in your home. We've got another couple coming in June from Albania, Landi and Diane Sula. And they are, they've been in the States training and they're going back to Albania to lead a church in Tirana. And so they're going to be with us for about five or six days in June. There's opportunities like that to meet with them and hear them. And I just want to say it's an incredible privilege when you get to spend time with believers from other parts of the world. It's a, and often these folks, they don't get to be here very often. So let's take advantage of that. Another way, just quickly, I want to mention to you about ways that you can get connected with what's happening with our mission partners is to go on a short-term trip. These are, can be really life-changing. And even this year, we've got a small team that's going to Albania. We've got, now we're going to Colombia probably in July, August time. And then we're looking at New York City in the fall. And so there are three different places. And I just want to throw that out there just to kind of put it in your heads and hearts to know that those things are available. You can get more details in time. But the purpose of trips like this um, is really to give us a, an exposure, a snapshot, if you like, of what it's like to experience God in a totally different context from the one we know. I'll never forget being in Albania for the first time and sat talking with, with Clody um, and his family. And Clody uh, leads a church in Barat, in in just near the south side of Albania. And he sat there telling me his story about how he came to Jesus. And I'm listening to this guy who came from a mainly Muslim background and I'm hearing the echoes of my own story, and I'm recognizing the familiar, the powerful, loving ways that God interacted with him and helped him to re recognize Jesus and who Jesus is. And I, it just did something in my spirit when I realized it's not just a UK, USA thing. Jesus is not just a USA, UK idea. He's international. And, he, and when you hear another believer telling you about Jesus, and you recognize Jesus, it does something to, in your faith, doesn't it? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And just the other thing that happens when we go on trips like this is that it can be catalytic. It can be one of those times when God does something, he lights a spark in you, something gets switched on. Kayla Miller, some of you will know Kayla's story. Um, she went to New York City um, when we took a team from here to the relief um, 
mission that works on the streets in New York City with a, a team a couple of years ago. She's out there, she's doing that, experiencing that, and God lights something in her about missions. And so that, that, was a, that was a stepping stone for her. She ended up going to YWAM and spending a year in YWAM and then traveling to different parts of the world, getting to share her faith, pray with people, and she's come back a different person. God connected her with something of what she's made for. And these can, are the kinds of things and the reasons why we do these trips. Look out for them, and I encourage you to pay attention to them. You know, if you have this document that's floating around, we've been talking about it. This is the document that um, we've been looking at as we've been on our mission, uh, looking at our vision and value series. And I just want to encourage you to reference it this morning. And if you have one, great. If you don't, there are a number of them dotted around on the stools around here. Just, pick, just wander and grab one while I'm talking. I won't be offended if you move around. But if you want to look on page two, there are, a couple, there are some statements that we've called uh, vision statements or our vision, where we're going. And on that, there's a, I just want to highlight to you numbers five and six um, briefly. And we're going to get into talking about mission, which is our third element of our vision and value series in a moment. But I want to highlight these two things just as we talk about this short-term trips and um, connecting with mission partners. We've written here something that we feel like God has put on our hearts, that we're recognizing is amongst us, and we're recognizing we want to be intentional about. Number five there on page two says, we will equip, empower, and mobilize Christians to be on mission with Jesus here in Oklahoma, across the United States, and throughout the world. And number six, we will train and support missionaries and church planters who strengthen existing churches and plant new churches locally and translocally. We want to do the stuff that Jesus calls us to here. And so when, when we talk about mission, when we talk about mission partners, when I talk about short-term trips or in that moment, I want us to catch hold of the, this idea of what church is and of what we're doing here together. We want to do the stuff we want to go on a journey where we discover who God has made us to be, wherever that is, whatever location, whether you stay in Oklahoma City for the rest of your life or whether you end up in other places. We want you to be equipped. We want you to be empowered to know that God has created you for significance. He's created you to be on mission with him. And he's called you to partner with what he's doing in the earth. He's called you to partner with other people to help strengthen what they're doing in different parts of the world. And... Uh, that to me feels kind of like, uh, well, all right, Mike, yeah, that's, that seems pretty straightforward. But I feel like I want to just say it in this very plain way so that we actually start to connect increasingly. This is what we're doing here. This is a part of what we're doing here. We want to do the stuff. So this morning, as we, as we look at mission for the next 15, 20 minutes, I want us to catch hold of this idea. God has made you for mission. I hope you'll catch the breadth of this definition and see your part to play in this, um, that it's not just about a few people who do some evangelistic activities in certain parts of the city or around the world, but it's actually for all of us, and there's a significant part, whether it's direct or indirectly. Well, 
That was a mouthful. I hope, you, uh, hope you're tracking with me. Just to pause for a moment and summarize, we have, um, over, the month, over the month of April, have been looking at vision and values. The, um, last week, uh, sorry, not last week, the two weeks ago, Brad shared about um, one of the words that's really important to us about worship. And he talked about how we um, are intentional about making space to encounter God's active presence together. And at the beginning of the month, Brock took some time to introduce the series, and he spoke about formation, focused in on what did we mean by formation. And he unpacked this idea of uh, friendship with God, that, the, that Christianity is not about conforming to a set of beliefs for life. It's primarily a relationship with the living God. It's about experiencing him, enjoying him, finding out who you are and what you were created to be. And as a result, what happens is Christ is formed in us so that there is this transformation that takes place. We, when we receive God's spirit as believers, um, he takes us and he fashions us and he gently breaks off the stuff that would damage us. He smooths off the edges um, and, and through spiritual practices, we start to look like Jesus more and more every day. Anyone want to look like Jesus? You know, he's doing it. He's doing it in you and me today. He's doing it, he's been doing it, and he will continue to do it. And in fact, he won't stop inviting you. It even says in Psalm 139, verse seven, that he will pursue you. He will pursue you to invite you into this place of making him, making you and I look more like him. Does anyone need to hear that Jesus is pursuing them this morning? Maybe for you this morning, the idea of Jesus pursuing you is, is, is a bit of a lifeline. Maybe it's felt like you're kind of swimming around and not sure quite where you are and what you make of your faith and how is it real and how are you navigating your circumstances. But I just want us to take a moment as we pray to ask God to remind you and even just to receive that, that he is promised that he will pursue us and he will not give up on us, and that he has a plan for us, and that he wants to form us to be like him. And as we look at the specifics of mission, um, which is where we're going, um, I want us to hear that as we pray. So let's do that, shall we? Jesus, we, we thank you this morning. And we just remind ourselves again that you are pursuing us, that you are fashioning us, and that every day you're inviting us to be um, transformed, to look more like Jesus. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would do that. I pray that you would share your heart with us. And I pray that you would give us vision for our lives, the things that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to reference and follow with me in the notes, you can do. We're gonna look at mission, which is largely on the last page. Um, you'll see there's some scriptures there. And uh, the, the words that we've put around mission um, go like this. We are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be on mission with Jesus wherever we go. And I sense that um, God wants to give us a, a new life this year as we, as we look at this. And uh, in a sense this morning, even the, this hope that he wants to bring and excitement and vision for wherever we go and, uh, and what he has for you. 
This first um, section talks about um, this first part of the, the phrase, we are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're going to anchor ourselves in Acts 1, verse 8. So if you want to turn there, you, or it'll be up here on the screen as well. Let's read that together, and we'll look at what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the, the background to this verse really quickly is that the disciples and others have had different um, experiences of Jesus appearing after his resurrection. And there's a couple of different things that are happening here. One is in, in verse four, it, it talks about how Jesus is eating with the disciples. And so there's a further confirmation of Jesus' resurrection into a, an actual body has taken place. Um, but as he's eating with them, he's talking with them and having conversation and uh, reminding them of the Father and to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the disciples, they're in this funny place because they still are not quite sure what does this post-resurrection Jesus thing actually mean? And they kind of give that away in verse six where uh, they ask the question, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now to, the, to Israel? And basically what they're saying there is all the stuff that we knew about from our ancestors that we now read in the Old Testament with the kings and the, the, the kingdom of Israel trying to be established, are you going to do that now in the, in the Jesus 2.0 version? Like, are you going to be the, the, the perfect King David and then have all the stuff of Solomon and it's just going to be like, wow, we just dreamed it was going to be like this. And, you know, there's a lot of reason for why they would think that. Um, they don't know what we know 2,000 years later. They're right at the beginning, and they're experiencing Jesus's, you know, it's a bit like, I was thinking about, I hope this is, analogy is okay for you, but I was just thinking, if everything up to the cross that the disciples experienced with Jesus was a bit like a um, high school playoff run, you know, like, you know, these things about we're going to take state. I see these on cars all the time. And, we're, you know, the, the chance from the sports teams, we're going to take state. We're going to do, do the best thing. And it's a bit like they, they, they had a good run in the playoffs and they got to the final, but they just fell short. So, wait, he died on the cross. Oh. But then Jesus is resurrected and they're like, now we're going to take state for sure. We're going to go all the way this year. And Jesus is like, oh, not quite state. More like global world takeover, but not quite as you think. And uh, uh, anyway, I hope that analogy works for you. I, it did for me. So he doesn't, Jesus doesn't re, uh, rebuke the question because it, it's a legitimate one for their paradigm, but he redirects them. And it's like there's almost a, a twinkle in his eye. You can just, just wait and see, guys. This is going to be much better. Verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that word power in the Greek is dunamis. And the word dunamis there, there's different ways that you can talk about that word, but one um, understanding is that it's setting God's standard. It's, it's, it's a force, it's setting the standard, it's a power to be at the standard of God. 
So Jesus is saying, you're not just going to take state, you're going to go global. You're going to set up dunamis communities all around the world, not just here in Jerusalem right now, but it's going to go on from here. You're going to take it to places around the known world, and then it's going to multiply and diversify and become a movement that will reach every corner of the earth and touch billions of people. That's a little bit more than taking state that Jesus has in mind. The disciples had been with Jesus for three years, but they weren't ready for this mandate until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the language in the passage here indicates that we receive power in order to be witnesses. So there is something that we need in order to be a witness with this functioning in the power or the standard that God calls us to. Thanks, Pat. So my question for us this morning is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Has someone ever prayed with you, laid hands upon you, asked for the Holy Spirit to fill you? Do you speak in tongues, a gift of the Holy Spirit, which simply looks like a prayer language to communicate with God? Have you learned to prophesy, hearing God's voice to encourage another person? Do you sense, experience, or know a connectedness to the Spirit of God? His voice leading, his prompting, those little nudges to say, hey, not this, go here, or yeah, go for that. Do you know he's working through you in supernatural ways to communicate the message of Jesus, to heal the sick, to set people free from demonic oppression? Raise the dead, anyone? Maybe one day, huh? One example of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. And praying in the prayer language God gave me is one of the most powerful and edifying aspects in my relationship with him. uh, I've I've had uh, recently particularly just had some really sweet times of going on walks in the morning and uh, praying and often finding myself just praying in my prayer language to God. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a fairly normal person um, and I... I struggle, like there's, there's mornings I wake up and I'm just, I can't tell you why, but like I don't want to pray, I don't want to read my Bible, I don't particularly want to be nice to my family, I'm not sure if I'm that excited about going to work, I think about wanting to stay in bed or just watching TV or something, and, and I don't know why, because I'm like, I don't really want those things, I don't want to be that way, but what I've discovered is that if I will get up and I will walk and I will just start opening my mouth, I can feel no desire to want to be there doing those things necessarily, but when I start to pray, when I start to speak in that prayer language, it's like something goes on in me that awakens my soul. I was thinking about how uh, Romans 8, 15 to 16, it talks about how we receive the spirit that does not make you slaves so that you live again in fear. You live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's there's something that goes on when you receive the Holy Spirit. There's something that goes on in us that connects with God in a unique way. He's given it that way so that, because he knows. He knows what life is like. He knows that you don't wake up. I mean, if you wake up and you're bouncing and ready to like take the world on, then I hate you and I love you at the same time. You need to pray for me or something. But he knows that we need the Spirit of God to awaken our spirit to him. And I just, I just use that as one example of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, that, that, 
that connection is about sonship. It's about knowing that we belong to God. It's about being a child of God. It, there's an intimacy there. When your spirit testifies with the Holy Spirit that you belong to God, that, there's nothing that can do, there's no, no one can take that away from you. Even in the context of mission um, as witnesses, when we think about being witnesses and being on mission, Jesus draws our attention to the deeply, deeply personal nature of our calling. In John 20, 21, says, again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Notice the language that Jesus uses. Peace. As the Father, I send you. It's a powerful privilege to be sent by Jesus because it comes from the Father. So even the idea of engaging in activities, in seeing the kingdom of God come in in different ways in, in your life and through you in the places that you are, there is this relationship that is deeply intimate that God invites us into. He wants you to know that the Father sees you and he sends you through Jesus. He sees you and he sends you. It's not a slick sales deal or a harsh demand. It's an invitation to a loving adventure. Mother Teresa, uh, I recently heard, is reported to have said at one point during a particularly hard season of her life um, that the only place she could find the peace and presence of God was in the eyes of a person needing her help. And there she encountered what her heart desired the most. Maybe for some of us, the key we're looking for to overcome a hard season is to love someone in need. But being a witness is also, also means that we receive power to overcome sin and the enemy. You see, who we are and how we live matters. A witness represents. In other parts of the New Testament, Paul uses the word ambassador. He describes us as ambassadors which literally is an, official, is, is an official with authority to represent government or kingdom, in this case, the kingdom of heaven. When we are with each other, we represent Jesus. We represent all believers of all time. When we're with other people, we represent Jesus. Who you are matters. How you live matters. Hebrews 12 talks about, in verse 1, the, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there are a lot of people that we don't see who are apparently observing everything that's going on right now. And on one hand, they're excited, they're cheering us on because they know the end of the story and they know what's going to happen. And on the other hand, I imagine... There's an element to which they're wondering, how's this all going to play out? How, what will our response be? If we have the Holy Spirit, we've been given the power to live like Jesus. Jesus experienced the effects of sin in the world. He faced temptation and encountered Satan who brought demonic forces against him to try and thwart him and the plans that God had for him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means we have access to overcome any sin or attack from the enemy. Okay. How are we doing, church? How are we doing? 
How are we doing at overcoming sin and the power of enemy, at the enemy? Biblical sin is not just disengagement from damaging behavior. It can also be a lack of engagement with what God has shown you to do. And you know, this whole section here is a message and multiple messages. But for the sake of this morning, I just want to say this. If you need prayer this morning to overcome sin and the power of the enemy in your life, then come forward. Come and get prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking in a few minutes because I feel like this is part of what God is doing this morning. And I'm just going to trust that what I don't say will come for another time. But I do sense that there's something of God, even though this is about mission, and that's often what we think is about activity and going, if we're going to be witnesses of the King, then we need to access that power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. Because people, when they, when they meet us, they, they're going to experience a level of the Holy Spirit in us. And the more we get of him, the more victory we have, the more we have to give away. And you don't even have to do, use words and say a lot of things often. People feel it. I just was remembering um, the significance of that this week. And um, I just want to take the opportunity, Smokey, um, to say something. Um, so many of us know Smokey Stover. And uh, I first came to this church eight years ago. He's resting right now. <laughs> but I came to this church eight years ago, and um, I walked in on a Sunday morning, and he gave me a hug. And uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I felt like Jesus was giving me a hug. Uh, and it's hard to put that into words. But what, I know, what I've come to know over the last eight years is that um, there is something that is given over in Smokey to Jesus so much that when he welcomes you, when he hugs you, you experience something of Jesus himself. I'm not saying Smokey's Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? And when we give ourselves over to Jesus and particularly begin to step into the things that we are made for, he comes out more and more. I have a decision to make about what I do with my notes. Jay Barnett told me he was going to throw my notes away this morning. You got your wish, Jay, I guess. Um, I want to say, I want to say this. The, let me say this. I just want to speak to what it means to be equipped for a moment. The second half of that statement that we had at the beginning when I read was that we are equipped and empowered um, to be on mission with Jesus. Uh, we're equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be on mission with Jesus wherever we go. The equipped bit, I just want to speak to you for a moment and then we'll close. We're equipped by the Holy Spirit. So we're not just empowered people who are full of the Holy Spirit or who receive the Holy Spirit, but we are equipped. In that language of Ephesians 4, 12, 13, it reads this. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I wanna just focus in on this for a moment. 
the, work, the word works of service. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul talks about in, verse, uh, in chapter two, verse 10, he says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is a beautiful passage because it unpicks for us this idea, this understanding that God picked you out, he foreknew you, he thought about you beforehand. There's a, there's a carefulness of which he crafted you with and he has a plan for you. It's not just a random empowered life but it's an empowered and equipped one. You were born with God-given gifts. You have an assignment that God himself thought about and has all the power and resources you need to succeed. Think about that for a moment. Where are you now in life? Where, where perhaps have you not realized the potential? Where is the opportunity to discover more of that plan? Where do you settle and just kind of think, ah, oh, I'm not that important. My life doesn't mean that much in the big scheme of things. I'll just get on and do my thing. Maybe what you feel when it comes to living in the fullness of what God's made you for in the context of mission, maybe you feel some apathy and some kind of, well, yeah, it's good. Hopefully I'll feel more excited about it one day. Maybe it's not actually apathy. Maybe it's actually about thinking about it, how God thinks about it, that it needs to change. He has a plan for each one of us. He loves you. He sends you as a son and a daughter. He is passionate about you fulfilling your purpose. He's passionate about it. He doesn't want you to just, well, give it a good shot and we'll see how it goes. He's passionate. He has a plan. He's thought about it. He's got good works prepared in advance for you to do. For you and I, if we do them, it's going to be amazing. Do you know what they are? If you don't, it's okay. But maybe, is it, maybe now in this season is a good time to discover them. Get connected. Find places to use your gifts. All right. This is not a neat conclusion, so I'm just gonna land it. Would you guys stand with me?